Hey, what's up everyone? Sam Shaw here, founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I'm back today with another client interview for you guys. And uh, I'm excited to have Kyle on here with us today to uh, talk to you guys about the recruiting process that he just went through. And uh, Kyle is actually a recent graduate um, and he just finished school. And so, uh, you know, he had a pretty late start with recruiting and uh, was still able to uh, have a pretty uh, successful outcome in the end. So I want to get him to come on here and share with you guys because I know a lot of you uh, also probably are either in his position or maybe you'll end up in his position where you're kind of trying to figure this stuff out last minute. And so uh, Kyle is going to kind of walk you guys through how he was able to do that. So Kyle, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us today, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So like to kick things off, uh, I think what would be helpful for people is if you could maybe just give a little bit of intro and uh, just kind of let people know, you know, a little bit about yourself and what type of candidate you were. Yeah. All right. Great. So hello everyone. I'm Kyle. Um, I am actually started my college career at a community college um, in San Diego and I did that for a year and then um, skipped a year and started a four year as a junior at only like um, 18 turning 19. And so I was competing with people that were um, in college for already two years and had been grinding out their um, freshman level internships. And I was trying to compete with them for junior level internships. And I just got completely blasted. And um, so I, uh, at first, when I first started in college, I was really interested in consulting. And then I actually did the work of consulting and I took a few classes and did some club activity. And I realized it really wasn't for me. And then um, I was kind of not very focused on what I wanted to do. I was um, focused more on like my studies and club activity instead of being more focused on like full-time jobs. And um, things were just kind of blurry until my really my senior year, I really found out that investment banking was kind of the path I wanted to go down until I realized that most people that want to do investment banking realized that their freshman year. And so uh, I was at an immediate disadvantage and I realized that. And um, it got to around uh, December of my senior year where um, Sam and I first connected. And uh, that's when um, everything kind of changed. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so let's, let's go back to some of the things you said here. So you started coming college. First of all, people have to understand breaking into investment making from when you start out from community college is very, very difficult to do because of precisely what you said, which is most of the competitive candidates, they start thinking about this freshman year, but obviously if you're at a community college, you couldn't get into these investment banks even if you wanted to. And also probably no one around you at these community colleges were really thinking about investment banking or talking about investment banking. So it's just like, you don't even have exposure to the, the, fee, the, the career path, right? Uh, and yeah, so I, I didn't even know what an internship, I mean, like I knew they existed, but I didn't realize how important they were. Like I literally had no idea. I mean, yeah. I was still trying to figure out how to build a college schedule because that was like already complicated because you have to do that all on your own. So yeah. And by the time you transferred, like usually people transfer into their four-year schools as like juniors, right? Is that what you did? You came in junior year? Yeah, but I only did a year in community college. So I skipped a year of CC. Okay, got it. So you did one year of CC, got enough credits, you transferred. But then once you transferred, you only had what two years of eligibility left was that how that worked yeah. mm -hmm. okay. so that's the other disadvantage right because then you're effectively coming in as a junior and 
the the way that most making recruiting works nowadays is it happens so early. Like a lot of the banks, they're done recruiting for the junior summer internship by sophomore year, right? And, yep. so, and then that's that's assumed. Like some banks are recruiting junior year, but that's assuming that you know you want to do investment banking as soon as you step foot on campus, which it sounds like for you, you didn't because you thought you wanted to do consulting. Okay. Yeah, I think the banks were, that was also another big reason I was more interested in consulting because I think a lot of the banks were literally giving out interviews the day I got my acceptance to Berkeley. So there was like before, like the applications were already closed for that summer. So. Okay, so you got to Berkeley, you felt like, hey, it was kind of a bit late for uh, interviews, but obviously consulting recruits a little bit later. So start looking at consulting. What did you not like about consulting and maybe relatedly, what did you like about banking? Because like a lot of people have this question like, oh, should I do banking or should I do consulting? And those are kind of like the two most popular tracks for business students, right? Um, what ultimately made you change from pursuing consulting to then pivoting to banking? Yeah, I think probably like the biggest thing, both of them, um, you can kind of come at them with a very similar angle of you're trying to help out another company, right? Specifically the thing that I'm currently doing, which is like more M&A work. You're working with different companies all this all the time, just like with consulting. So that kind of uh, angle, which was one of the biggest things that I liked about consulting is actually translates very well towards banking where you're not always doing the exact same thing every single day. And you're working on these kind of problem solving and recommendations to other companies. But I think the biggest difference is that in consulting, it's just a lot more kind of vague and a lot of times they don't always have to take your advice. You know, in investment banking, you're working on a transaction that is happening. And on the other end, more in consulting work is either they have a problem and you work on, you learn about the company and, and you try to solve their problem and you give recommendations. But at the end of the day, you don't really know what kind of impact you're actually having. And if you're at the right investment bank and you're working on a transaction, you can see the impact that you're having on the news the next, the next week, you know, and that can be impacting people's portfolios and stuff. And so, the kind of impact that you're getting is, um, I think, uh, like a really big uh, uh, pro that, that banking has over consulting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, both bankers and consultants, they're kind of in the client advisory business. I guess the difference mm -hmm. is, and downside to being in client advisory businesses, you're giving a lot of advice, um, but, you know, your clients don't necessarily have to take their advice, right? Um, where you, you, know, you tell a company how they should uh, improve their business operations. And then once you're, you know, once you're done with your presentation, nobody knows like if that company actually goes out and implements what you asked them to do, right? Versus with banking, you're working on an M&A deal, like you're gonna know if the M&A deal closed or not, right? You're helping them raise money, like you're gonna know how much money you raise for them, right? And so I agree with you. There's probably like, it's a more, um, in a way it can feel more fulfilling. I'm not saying for everybody, but like personally, I felt the same way, which is like, hey, I actually get to see the results of my work and the impact that it's having um, mm -hmm. before I move mm -hmm. on to the next thing, right? So I also just think it's more tactile work. I think consulting, at least the amount of kind of consulting that I was doing um, while in college was, it just kind of felt very vague a lot of times where it's just like, it's not like there's one right answer and I'm the kind of person that loves like actually solving problems instead of just kind of trying to find ways that might, it's, you never know if the solution that you're finding is optimal. And it probably, I mean, almost all the time it won't be, 
especially as a 21 year old kid, you're probably not going to be an expert on how the supply chain economics works. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, that makes sense. So, okay. So then you go into senior year, uh, at what point in senior year did you realize like, Hey, actually, I think I want to do investment banking. Like I, maybe I want to make the switch. Was it like first semester or halfway through the it, year? It's kind of funny because I didn't think I'd be able to answer that question, but there's actually a specific day that I realized that this is kind of what I want to do. It's because, um, uh, TTS training the street, um, came to Berkeley and offered a free course. Yeah. And um, it was on like a Saturday that started at like 9 a.m. or Sunday, actually. It was a Sunday. And um, and it lasted for like almost five hours. And I signed up for it. I wasn't even sure if I was going to go to it. And I went to it and I was fully like aware and in it for the entire five hours on a Sunday. And I didn't feel for a single second that I had wasted my, my weekend or I'd wasted my time. And I'm like, if I can wake up on a Sunday morning and kind of grind out a DCF and learn about all of the Excel shortcuts that I had no idea existed and not feel like I had just wasted my day, then maybe this is something that I can actually find passion in. That's awesome. I mean, that workshop sounds like it changed your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And then also just the crazy amount of pivot um, opportunities. I mean, consulting has a lot as well, but I feel like if you have that kind of uh, grinding out those two years in investment banking, you can do anything from starting your own Wall Street prep course to working at a startup to uh, working at a Fortune 500, you know? Definitely, definitely. Um, so that was what, early on senior year, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I'd say um, I was kind of pivoting during, uh, I've always loved finance and stuff, but I was kind of like teetering across like what, what am I more interested in like FP&A or more like corporate finance or am I, is it really like actual investment banking that is really my dream? And um, I'd say, yeah, maybe like uh, the beginning of, of, of senior years when I was really um, kind of only applying to investment banks. Okay. And so that was the beginning of senior year. So we didn't meet until like December, right? So like about halfway through senior year. So let's first talk about that first semester of senior year before you found out about Wall Street National Like you went to this chain industry workshop, you decided to pivot and then like, what were some of the things you were doing on your own to try to kind of break into this, this industry? And then like, how was that going for you? Yeah, I guess the, the best comparison I can kind of think about it is like, if somebody asked you to do a really long calculation and I was doing it by hand for like six months or however long before I met you. And then it felt like you gave me a calculator <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> it's not that the, thing I was doing was technically wrong, but the way that I was going about it and trying to brute force my way through instead of kind of targeting um, my, my networking and my referral process and um, how I approach interviews, how I try to learn. This is probably the biggest thing is trying to learn the technicals. You're not just, I was trying to just straight up memorize the 500 um, uh, mergers and inquisitions book that they have on their website, you know, just trying to go through those to try to learn. And that was one of the biggest things I was trying to do. I was just spending hours and hours just trying to straight memorize the, the questions. And then my approach just totally changed after that. Yeah. Um, that's so common, man. Like we see that that's, that's, that's almost like how everybody does it. Right. Yeah. And so naturally 
when you want to break into investment banking, one of the first things you're probably going to do is you're going to talk to some of your friends, maybe older friends who have done it the year above you. And you ask them like, hey, so how did you guys go about preparing for this? So they're like, here, use this guy, just memorize everything that's in here. And you'll be fine. Right. Like that, that's probably what someone told you. Right. Um, and then they go and try and do it and they find out it's like, it's just, it's so painful when you do it that way, because I mean, it's not effective, right? One is very time consuming. I don't know how many hours you spent doing that. I don't know if you know, um, I'd be curious. Uh, but also problem is like, if, even if you do do that successfully and you get to the interview, there's no guarantees that they're only going to ask you the questions that you actually memorized. Right. Yeah. And so and also there's a reason that they're asking you those questions. If you're just memorizing those questions and you just so happen to get the ones that you memorized, your first day on their first few weeks on the job are going to be rough. If you don't actually understand the accounting knowledge and you don't actually understand the valuation techniques. And if you don't have an actual understanding, you're going to be, you're in for a rude awakening once you actually start your day-to-day -day work. Yeah, absolutely. man, Absolutely. So were you able, cause you were already a senior at the time. So I'm sure you had, you know, a lot of urgency in terms of just lining up interviews and whatnot. And so prior to December, like, did, did you have any interviews uh, as you were, you know, applying to stuff and networking and doing whatever else that you were doing? Yeah, I actually had one that was in the works right when we uh, first met. I'm not sure if you remember, but that was for um, for Berenberg um, Capital Markets, which um, they're big in Europe, but don't have a huge presence in, in, in the U.S. And uh, they had a pretty interesting program, but it wasn't even technically investment banking it was more like uh more equities they're more like an equity shop and um there were i was like going to be learning about like follow-on like debt offerings and, and more like and also like equity tradings and stuff and so um i didn't still at the time didn't even fully realize the difference which is kind of embarrassing to say it's so late in the game but it was true is just trying to understand um that you know equity shops are different from investment banks and the interviews are going to be completely different and what they're looking for in candidates are going to be completely different and how you approach the interview um, is really important because if you're preparing for an investment banking interview and they ask you only questions about what Powell is doing and you, you have no idea, then it's not going to go very well for you. So yeah. I think that was one of the only ones that I actually had going for me um, before we met, but it wasn't even an investment bank. So. And like how many applications would you say you had submitted up to that point to get that like one interview? Uh, an embarrassingly large amount. I'd say like uh, maybe close to 200, maybe even more. Um, yeah, like I was going every day applying for like, I mean, at least like five or 10, maybe a week I was doing like, like 20, at least 20 to 30 a week for like a lot of weeks in a row. And so like it was all the way through like the LinkedIn easy applies where I'm just like clicking buttons and it's kind of all the way through like, curating my cover letters and having phone calls beforehand and so it kind of ranged between them but um they almost i only got like maybe three first rounds out of all of that and only one of them that actually wanted that got to a final round and it wasn't even an investment bank so Berenberg was the final round yeah yeah i got to the i got to their super day um yeah okay so 200 plus applications, only three interviews, one final round. And so obviously you weren't satisfied with that. And 
something wasn't really working the way you wanted to, but probably quite weren't quite sure what that was exactly because if you knew, then obviously you would have already fixed it, right? Um, so, like, I don't know, maybe I just kind of already answered my own question, but like, why did you even decide to join something like Wall Street National? Like, at that point, okay, you come across our company, it's, you know, December of senior year, like right before Christmas, I believe. It was like maybe a week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You have about, you know, one semester left in school. Like what made you want to dive into a program like this? Because I feel like a lot of students that are maybe in a similar situation as you, or maybe they've been submitting all these applications and they didn't get anything, like their confidence level might be pretty low and sometimes people don't join this program because they think like hey even if i had a program like this i don't have enough time or maybe if i had even i had a program like this how do i know it's still going to work for me but like what what was your mindset mentality at that point in time that made you say hey yeah like this is something i want to do well i think um to start i feel like my expectations were tempered like i wasn't in it in senior year thinking that I was going to get Goldman um, right away. You know what I mean? Like I had one uh, local wealth management internship and that was literally the only thing. And then Jamba Juice. Like, so I don't think that I'm going to get a full-time offer from Goldman off of that kind of resume. And that wasn't really what I was after anyway. I think a lot of young people kind of fall into the trap thinking that their first job out of college is like the end all be all of their career. And I just couldn't disagree more. I think if you're in the right industry and you find the right group and you're learning all the right things and you're on some relevant transactions, then you're still learning a lot of the same things that um, other bankers are, even if your title on LinkedIn isn't as prestigious. And that doesn't mean that in 10 years that you, or even in a couple of years that you can't uh, pivot out of that. Or even if your compensation is that different, you know, if you're working on a deal team, that's only three people big and you're pulling in $3 million in six months. I mean, your compensation might still be equitable. So I wasn't looking for, I think um, the, I wasn't looking to get into Harvard after, you know, like only having like C's my whole high school life, you know? So I think that was one of the biggest things that I was going into this is like, look, I just need something. And I know that as soon as I get my foot in the door, I can prove that I'm good at, I'm good at my job. And then I'll let my work speak for itself. And um, so that's what I was just asking for, for you is to just help me get that, that foot in the door, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and get that first internship that's relevant finally in my senior year. Can I just get something that's truly relevant that could actually be a pro instead of looking for a firm to just take a chance on me? And yeah. so, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's a great point, man, which is obviously, look, if you give everyone the choice to work at Goldman Sachs, I'm sure everyone will love to work at Goldman Sachs. But also, like you said, realistically speaking, if you didn't know that you wanted to do banking by, you know, freshman or sophomore year, probably sophomore year at the latest, you missed the recruiting window for Goldman Sachs already, right? Because they hire their uh, junior summer interns by sophomore summer. And if you are coming to this process for the first time as a junior or a senior, they're already done hiring, right? And so it's not even like, can you get the job? It's just like, they're done hiring. And so, but but to your point, and I agree with you, which is whatever already happened has happened, right? Like we're not going to go back and change the past. All we can do is 
how are we going to make the best of what's going to happen from this point forward? Like, what, what can we do now to get the best outcome possible, um, considering that I only discovered muscle banking as a senior, right? And for, in your case, and for a lot of other people, like especially our listeners right now, if they're in a similar boat as you, like if they're a senior right now and they come talk to us and they say, hey, Sam, can you help us get a muscle banking? Like, we'll tell them the same thing, which is, yeah, we might be able to. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but most likely you're going to have to start at maybe like a regional boutique, just get your foot in the door. Doesn't mean you have to stay there. You might stay there if you really end up loving it. There are a lot of really great regional boutiques out there. Um, or if you don't love it and then you're still determined to like go to a bigger bank or whatever, then you can, you know, just get a year of experience under your belt and then you can always lateral later on. And like you said, as long as you do good work, like the cream will always rise to the top. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I couldn't, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good uh, mindset mentality that you had is the right mindset. It was just like, Hey, let's just make the most of what we got. Um, and, and you were realistic about it. Like you said, it's like, okay, if your resume consists of a private wealth management internship plus Jamba Juice, like it's not like that, that's what you have to work with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that's amazing though. I mean, hearing, where you were when you first started this process in senior year to like obviously where you are now. So I guess you came into Wall Street National and then like, I mean, let's work backwards. When did you actually get your offer? Was it like April, I think? Like May, right before you graduated? Yeah, it was actually, I got the call the morning after I was celebrating my graduation. So I was like, not maybe... <laughs> It was a it was a very interesting phone call to wake up to to have to be professional the morning after. So, uh, but yeah, it was a. I thought that I was going to be, you know, I I, I definitely wasn't going to give up. I was still um, kind of in that mentality, like, okay, let me just uh, I'm going to enjoy my summer for a little bit, keep recruiting during the summer, and um, take advantage of being able to live at home and not have really any bills, and then just spend now that I don't have any classes, just spend literally all day grinding, and that's what I was looking for do, to, doing during my summer, and then. I woke up to the call that they wanted to take me on. And then, so that was just amazing. It was literally like the day after my graduation. So that's amazing. Um, so sounds like between, you know, mid-December when you joined the program, uh, from that point on, it probably took you another, let's call it five months, right? To land mm -hmm. the job. So walk us through kind of like what those five months were like, you know, after you joined Walsh Master. I mean, you kind of, I love the analogy you gave earlier. That was actually the first time I've heard that, but it's like, going from doing uh, long form hand calculations to using a calculator, but like, what does that mean exactly using a calculator? Like what, what were you doing all of a sudden that was so different and what kind of, what kind of results were you seeing from making those changes? So I'll say first my, even, which is surprising to me already is that my resume wasn't in the correct format for investment banking. So already page one before the table of contents, you know, I was already at a disadvantage. My resume looked like a high school kids and I didn't, I really didn't even think it did. I mean, I thought that it was professionally, it looked professional, but then um, I looked at your, the template that you guys provide and um, the, the edits that you gave me and uh, the language that I'm supposed to be using and kind of turning the experience that I do have and trying to showcase how it can be relevant towards a person that's actually looking at my resume and there's specific language that almost needs to be there and specific language that definitely should not be there 
that I just didn't know, you know, and, and again, that's, that's, so that's like step one is that my, my resume went through a complete overhaul. Then second, the, the process to getting a referral on an application. I think that this was in our early talks, that was one of the biggest things that I was not great at. I think I had like, uh, you asked me like how many people I was reaching out to on, on LinkedIn and I'm kind of an extrovert. I love like talking to people. I feel like I always learn something new when I talk to somebody. So I was talking to a lot of people. I was having like almost three calls a week. Um, and it only converted into something like, well, I think I had like one or two referrals total off of it. And they both turned into interviews, but um, out of like the, like a lot, like 50, 60, 70, 80 people that I had spoken to, almost none of them had given me referrals. And it wasn't because I was an unlikable person. It was just because I wasn't converting correctly. I wasn't saying the right thing at the end. And then they're not just going to ask me if they want to give me a referral. They're not going to say that. And if I don't ask, then um, I won't, I won't kind of uh, convert. So I think, again, that's another thing right there. You don't have to, the, the, the efficiency of going from that top of the funnel to that next layer of the funnel um, was kind of overhauled. And then lastly, when you finally do get to the interview is not bombing anymore is actually understanding before they know what question they're going to ask, you just understand the buckets, you know, like just the, the kind of system that you explain in the technical interviews and the behaviorals. Um, but I think more for the technicals was where I learned the most was that it was no longer just kind of brute force memorizing every single line item question and every single thing. It's actually doing the calculations in your head and learning how to do that and, um, and getting to that correct answer in the way that the bankers are looking for. And I think you and I, in one of our first calls, uh, you, I, you asked me like, uh, how good do you think your accounting knowledge is? And I said uh, out of 10, and I think I said like a six or a seven. And then you asked me an accounting question, like a, that's, that would be on an interview. And I've never bombed something so heavy in my life. And you were like, so what do you think your accounting skills are? I was like, <laughs> negative three, like <laughs> out of 10. So it was, a, and I've, I've done well in all my accounting classes, but it's just another way of thinking, you know? And, and that's just, uh, so again, I think that's, so I think it's kind of like a three or four pronged assault of kind of increasing my efficiency. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the efficiency front, that was especially important given you were already a senior you're already yeah. in your last semester is kind of like now or never, right? And to your point, it's like, if you're under so much time pressure and ask yourself some crazy, uh, I don't know, uh, calculus problem where you have to do everything by hand, um, you might be able to eventually figure it out, but by the time you do, it might be too late, right? Um, yeah. A lot of these, and, and it's funny that you say that you got um, your offer the day after your graduation. That's just like, in the nick of time because you know not that you can't recruit after you graduate and you would have been recruiting over the summer but typically like the longer you've been graduated the harder it becomes to actually get something yeah. right and so it was it was almost like you're on the shot clock and not like you weren't working hard like you said you talked to 50 60 70 80 people that takes a lot of time i mean each of those conversations probably what 30 minutes right yeah. And then you add in the amount of time it's meant to actually reach out, to, like to talk to 80 people, you probably have to reach out to hundreds of people just to get that many conversations. And to only, to put in, you know, tens, I don't know, dozens of hours, if not more, I don't know how many hours you spend on, on networking up to that point. And to get one or two referrals out of that, it's just like, you don't have time for that, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so it's not for a lack of effort. I always tell people, you got to work hard. That's a prerequisite if you want to get into banking. But 
are you working smart? Because if you're just working hard, you're not working smart, and then you're you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, but there's just like a mistake that you're making. Like you're not asking the right questions and therefore it's not converting. But you, you are also not, you can't identify that on your own. That's just, that's like, I mean, you're just banging your head against the wall basically. Right? <laughs> and that's what it felt like. I mean, yeah, that's what it, when we first met, it felt like oh, I had a, like 26 concussions from banging my head against the wall so many times. Yeah, and, and then and then and then on top of that, you you you're also wasting a bunch of time trying to memorize hundreds of questions, right? It's like all of these things that people are typically doing for banking. It just it takes so much time, first of all, because everyone's trying to brute force it, and then second of all, like they 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 have these blind spots where they're not seeing what they're doing wrong, right? they're not seeing like, well, is there, what's the better way. Um, and then they run out of time, right? And so I think you made a ton of really great. And then like the resume thing, I mean, that's like, you're not, you're definitely not the first person who looked at their own resume and thought like, yeah, my resume is pretty good. Because guess what? Most of the time when people put together the resume, they put a lot of thought into it. It's not, they just half-ass it or whatever. And typically the end product is going to look good to you because you're the one that came up with it right yeah um and so it's really hard to just whether it's your resume or your networking or your interview answers like i think the bottom line is it's really really hard to critique your own work or it's really really hard to give yourself feedback and identify hey here are the areas that i can improve in because if you could, or if you knew how to do that, then that wouldn't have been how you did it in the first place, right? Um, and so that's where, if you if you have like a, a neutral third party, not just any neutral third party, but if you have someone who's a subject matter expert who can come in and be that extra set of eyes and look at everything you're doing and just audit it and, and give you some quick pointers on like, hey, here, change this, here, change that. Like a lot of times, it's not like these crazy changes, right? More often than not, it's like, once the changes are pointed out, you're you have this aha moment like, oh, that's so obvious. Like in hindsight, why didn't I think of that? But until mm -hmm. it's pointed out to you, you'll never see it, right? And, yeah, and it's kind of sad because you think that's what a career center is for. I mean, I'm not going to some like rinky-dink university either. It's not like, I mean, after, I would I don't expect the best for my CC to know about how like the the formatting for investment banking, but. It's one of those things that you you would think, okay, if I took this to my career center, they're not going to steer me in the completely wrong way. But if they haven't seen an investment banking resume in 10 years or something, or however long they've been out of it, or if they're more into tech or something like that, they're just not going to know the correct way or like the blemishes that might look like on your resume from only one or two words. You yeah. know what I mean? And and that's that's just something that you kind of need somebody that is either had to look at them for a living or has like has a lot of them to kind of compare to specifically for IB. And, and you know, I think look, the, the people that work at these career centers, um, nothing against them. I think they're doing great yeah. work. Uh, and it's a very noble work that they're doing, helping college students. But you also gotta understand like not everyone at your school wants to get into investment banking. So their job yeah. is not to become like a specialist and how you get into investment banking. They're just there to provide like very generic career advice for everybody, right? But we all know that investment banking is a totally different animal 
than most other jobs that you try to apply to out there. This is not your typical nine to five job, uh, both in terms of the what you do on the job, but also in terms of like just how competitive and how selective it actually is. Right? So the bar is a lot higher. And the second thing is, I mean, you also got a feel for these career counselors in school because there's usually like one of them, two of them, a handful of them at the entire school. And then there's yeah. how many students, like thousands of students that they got to help. So like how much time can they really spend or how investigated can they really be in your specific like recruiting process? Because to you, your recruiting process is everything, right? Like that's the most important thing to you. But like to them, you're just one of many students. Like you're not the center of their universe, right? Even though that's probably what you need them to be, right? And so um, that's, it, I don't think, you know, obviously they're doing their best, but those are the circumstances. And, you know, when it comes to your career and something as important as like, hey, where am I going to start my career? And how is this going to affect my career trajectory? Um, the best thing to do is you probably just get whatever the best help that's available, whatever is the best help that's available out there, right? Not to say don't use your career center, definitely use your career center, but yeah. supplement that with other stuff that can actually give you a competitive edge, right? Or like you're using career center, so is everyone else at your school, like what's the competitive advantage? There is no, right? Yeah. Um, and so you got to think about like, it's, it's all relative. Like how do you get that edge on your competition? Because at the end of the day, it is very competitive, right? Um, so that all makes sense, man. Like that's a lot of really, really good stuff. And so ultimately, like, what was, what was the outcome for you then at the end of all this process? Like what, what ended up happening? Like you, obviously we know you got an offer, but like, was, were you like, did you just start getting a lot more interviews or like, were you, were you passing the interviews with, with more ease or like, do you have any kind of just high level, uh, I don't know whether it's numbers or just results that you can share with people. Yeah. I think again, one of the biggest changes was that, um, intro call to referral, um, number of conversion rate. I think that was one of the biggest changes and I didn't realize how important that was as well. Um, you kind of almost, I don't want to say you need it, need it, but I mean, when these companies, they get, I mean, so many applications that it's, more than some colleges get uh, yearly. So the amount of like, there's so many times nowadays that a software can just kind of goes through your resume and just gets rid of it, especially if it's uh, a larger firm. And um, so I think again, that so that like, I think my conversion rate went from like 0.02% to like closer to like 20 to 30%, even higher, like closer to 40% that I was actually getting people that were willing to either have a second call or be like, yeah, like, follow up with me again in like two, three weeks. Like, yeah, I'd love to schedule another call or absolutely. Yes. Reach out to me when you apply and um, I'll, I'll let you know, and we can go through that process. And I got like, um, like a lot more. And at the same time, I had also um, had zero uh, internship experience. So I needed to get that internship and then pivot that internship and kind of promote that internship with my other um, to, to try to transition that to a full-time position. So that was one of the biggest things that actually happened was that I got an internship so quickly, like within um, a couple of weeks after signing with you, um, that was actually relevant. And um, I'd say that the, the course paid for itself almost in that moment where you, where you showed me this service um, that, could, that could help so much. And 
it's, it was again, it was a very small change, but then again, now it's no longer Jamba Juice at the bottom of the resume. And, 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 and I mean, it's, it's a big deal. It really is because you, you actually are finally speaking with people in the industry, learning all of that side information. And so, so that was great. Got the internship, got referrals. And then I had like uh, four or five uh, final round uh, interviews. So I was getting through the first and second round stages like a lot more, um, which was great. And the feedback that I was getting after uh, final rounds wasn't you bombed this question or you like they, they, would, they would call you and say that it was a no. It wasn't because um, this and that. It was either because it was a logistics issue or maybe it wasn't right this time or there wasn't any like glowing or glaring issue with the way that I interviewed. And so that was a, that was a really big deal for me. So I don't know, is that like, you want more like hard coded numbers? I mean, I could probably pull up my spreadsheets that. No, no, we won't make you pull up your spreadsheet, but long story short, I mean, that's amazing. sounds like a um, couple of things. If we go in order, uh, first of all, we have to improve your resume. And that's not just like, Oh, let's do some pretty formatting or whatever. It is that too, but it's also like upgrading the experiences that you actually have on there. I mean, honestly, I know like most people when they start out and they get their first job, it's at a place like John Juice. That's normal, right? But unfortunately, you know, when you're applying for these banking jobs and whatnot, like people don't want to see that stuff on your resume. Like if anything, it it, it almost cheapens your resume that, you know, you worked at John Juice because that, I don't know, bankers are very, I hate to say it, but they're very elitist. They can be kind of snooty and they're like, you know, they don't care about the, the these blue collar jobs that you work if you want to call it that, right? And, and so, be, but if you don't have enough experiences on your resume to fill up the page, then you got to have the Jamba Juice on there. But like you said, like within what, like two weeks maybe if you join the program, got you another well internship. Now that can bump the Jamba Juice off your resume. But exactly. now that's also going to increase. Yes, like part of you converting more on the networking side is yes, you start asking better questions. Yes, you you learn how to have better conversations with your bankers and what to talk about, what not to talk about, but also even to get them to respond to you in the first place. Yes, sending good emails and having the right templates, but also when they look you up, whether it's through your resume or through your LinkedIn profile, they see someone who's more qualified, who has more relevant experience, and that's going to make them just be more inclined to talk to you because they don't want to feel like they're wasting their time talking to someone who's only worked at Jamba Juice and has no chance. Like, even if I want to help this guy, I'm not going to be able to help him. So what's the point, right? Yeah, um, and I, I think uh, an interview, an interviewer also has to be fair. You know, if they see two resumes, one with a person that still has Jamba Juice on it and one person that has been grinding and learning and getting that experience so that they will be prepared for this position, it's their responsibility to choose, to choose that person, whether or not they're elitist. I mean, if they're looking, if there's an abundance of qualified candidates then they're not going to go, they're not going to go take a chance on somebody that is underqualified. I mean, it's pretty black and white, right? Yeah. I, I feel kind of bad that we keep uh, using Jamba Juice as an example. I almost feel like I owe, I owe it to them to like run a commercial for Jamba Juice in this episode or something. It's like, no, <laughs> it tastes great. I used to drink it all the time. Okay, nothing against the company. All right, so. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I see, by the way, that was I loved working there. I did not regret it. So. Yeah, no, I know it's, it's a it's a great um, it's a great job starting out, um, but like fixing your resume, up leveling your uh, relevant experiences, learning how to network better, 
getting a higher conversion rate, and then nailing the interviews. And then after that, it's just like, hey, it might take you multiple at-bats, you know, before you get that offer, but that's totally normal, right? So it's like baseball. Some people bat 200, some people bat 300, like nobody bats 1,000, right? So you're going to have to be willing to get in the reps, maybe get a few rejections, but eventually, if you have enough at-bats and if you know that, hey, I know how to get these interviews so I can always get more interviews, then, like, sooner or later, you're going to learn them off, right? Um, and so that's what you're doing now. Like, you're basically interning this summer um, at a regional boutique bank. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have, I think, they, they've made it very clear multiple times that they were T- uh, taking this kind of this summer as almost like a training course to give me that full-time offer so as long as there's no real like glaring mess ups you know then I mean that's that's what I uh, I expect to happen pretty soon yeah you just gotta do a good job don't do anything stupid or illegal or you know I mean, you'd be surprised I've heard some crazy stories of things that interns did during the summer that just you know I'm like what are you doing but <laughs> You're not going to do that. I know that. Um, But that's awesome, man. So look, um, I don't want to keep you too long. I just have one last question for you. you Let's say we have listeners right now who are in a similar situation as you. Maybe they are community college transfers, or maybe they just discovered banking late for whatever reason. Maybe they're already in their senior year and they are wondering like, oh man, I really want to do banking. I wish I found out about earlier. I wonder if I can still get in. Like, do you have any advice for people in that uh, situation? Like maybe it's something that you or someone else had told you back when you first uh, pivoted over the banking, like something that would have made your life just so much easier or, or would have given you so much more confidence. Do you have anything like that that you can share with people? Yeah, I'd say um, when I first got into, into Berkeley, I thought that, you know, my future was kind of mapped out for me right there and then. And um, when I faced so many rejections in a row, it was really, really tough to take at that time when I, when I kind of realized that this is, it's not over, you know, that the grind is, is um, only going to get worse. And uh, it was hard for me to kind of accept that and say like, okay, just because I'm at some, some university with a name doesn't mean that my future is planned out for me. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that if you get a rejection, that means that your life is over or that if you, if you spend multiple nights writing the perfect cover letter and you submit it with like by kissing your keyboard and you're so happy that this is your favorite company, you know everything about them, and then you get rejected, you can kind of feel like uh, you don't want to keep going, especially if you, if you get to the third round or something and you put so much effort into trying to get there and then it's a no, it's just really, really hard to get back up and, and keep going. And um, I um, watched a talk by um, David Solomon, who's the, the chairman of Goldman, and he was rejected by Goldman. And um, he, uh, I think he uh, ended up working at a regional boutique and then Goldman bought that regional boutique and he was enveloped into Goldman. And then he, his work just showed for itself and he grinded and was the best worker and worked his way up from the top from there. And after hearing that, that's something that uh, I think really helped me after that is like, if the CEO of one of the most prestigious companies was rejected by that company when he wanted to work there, um, you cannot let rejection stop you about where you want to go. 
And it doesn't mean that you're not good enough to work at that company. It just means that maybe your experiences and maybe it wasn't the right time then, but maybe in two years, maybe in three years, whatever, then they'll be, they'll love to have you and they'll overpay you and you'll be getting paid more than any of the second year associates because of how amazing you are. And so I think that's really one of the things that really is important to keep in mind when you're uh, in a position like mine is that you can see on LinkedIn, all those people saying that they're so happy to accept their fortune 500 company. And then you're here and you just got rejected by them at the same time. And it's really hard. It's, it's really, really hard. And to kind of just get past that and just say, my work will speak for itself. And um, once I start working and once I really get in there, um, if you're really passionate about getting up on a Sunday or getting up on a Saturday and you're just ready to, to kind of do it because you genuinely enjoy it, you're going to work your way up and you're going to outperform everyone else. And you're going to be hungrier. I mean, you're going to be Tom Brady pick number 199 who ended up getting six rings and you'll have a chip on your shoulder and you're going to work harder than everybody else. And um, so, yeah, I guess that's my advice for people that are in kind of my situation. That's beautiful advice, man. That's, that's really, really good stuff. Uh, Tom Brady, another great example. I mean, you're going to have a long career ahead of you, right? The race yeah. is not won at the beginning. It's, it's, it's who's going to last the longest and who's going to, you know, outwork everyone throughout that entire process, right? Of course, you should do your best to get, get off to the best start possible, but um, there's always going to be setbacks along the way, right, uh, no matter what. Uh, that David Solomon story, I mean, I've never even heard that one before. That's that's amazing. Dude, if you still have that yeah. interview, I would love to hear, like, if you could send that to me, because I'm very curious yeah. to hear it. Um, but that's great advice. Um, super awesome. Guys, if you are listening to this interview and, you know, like I said, maybe you're in a similar situation, you're kind of an underdog, you came from community college, or you just, you just started late, like, you just didn't have anyone around you who told you about banking until – it kind of felt like it was seemingly too late. Um, it's almost never too late, right? It's just a matter of how hard are you willing to work for it and how bad do you want it, right? And then like being able to set your ego aside and kind of humble yourself and get the help that you need, right? Because I, yeah. I talk to students sometimes who are like, well, if I can't do this on my own, then like I don't deserve to like be in the most making it. I was like, no, that's, that's such a silly way to think because all the most successful people that I know in life, they've all had a mentor or a coach or someone helped them along the way. Right? Like nobody ever gets to the mountaintop on their own, right? Like even if you try to summit Mount Everest, like you, you probably have a Sherpa, right? And so um, if you are kind of in a situation where you've been trying a bunch of stuff on your own, you're not like a lazy person. In fact, you're a hard worker. It's not a matter of not working hard, but you're trying to figure out how you can work smart. So you're not banging your head against the wall. So you can have that calculator and just like, you know, not have to do this by like by hand, long form. Um, reach out to us, right? Uh, you can schedule a free strategy session with our team. Um, and, you know, we'll actually get on a call with you, talk to you for 30, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it needs, uh, whatever it's going to take to just understand more about what your current situation is. What are your goals? What do you actually need help with? And based on what you tell us, we'll help you figure out like, hey, one, can we actually help you? And if we can, we can talk to you about what that looks like. But if we can't help you, which sometimes will happen, but if we can't help you, we'll at least steer you in the right direction, give you some advice on what we would do if we were in your issues. So you got nothing to lose. This call is completely free. Um, there's no obligation to work with us if you don't want to. 
But uh, if you want to talk to us, go to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. Uh, the street's abbreviated to SP, so it's wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys, okay? Um, so that'll be it for this episode, guys. Kyle, I want to thank you again so much for being generous with your time. And I know you're obviously interning and making now, so it's not, I mean, your time is at a premium. But I thank you for coming on here, talking to us for almost an hour. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to benefit from this conversation. And, uh, you know, I just wish you the best of luck uh, for the rest of your internship. I'm sure you're going to crush it and get that return offer. And then, you know, with the attitude that you have, I know you're going to, you know, based on everything we talked about today, I know you're going to go very, very far. Maybe you'll become the, the next David Solomon. And I'm going to have to bring you back and do another interview with you then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'd be willing to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would be a very moment. Story, to be honest. And I am going to point back to this interview and say, <laughs> that was how it first started. He said this was going to happen, and now it has happened. <laughs> yeah, like Babe Ruth pointing out my shot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, this was awesome. So again, thank you for taking time. And uh, obviously, don't be a stranger. If there's anything that we can uh, continue to help you with, like, you know, you know how to find this. All right, so. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sam. I'm sorry it took so long to uh, to get this call scheduled. I, 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 again, one of the reasons I actually I full on deleted LinkedIn because uh, it was getting to be too much. <laughs> I was <laughs> looking at it at the, in the club like, what, what am I doing? I got. <laughs> I, I understand, man. Like when you're done with recruiting, you just want to be done with LinkedIn, and I totally get that. And, uh, I'm glad we got to this. It's. Um... It's uh, better late than never. And uh, like I said, I think a lot of people benefit from this. So thank you. Yeah. All right. It was, uh, it was great speaking with you again. Yeah, man. Guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more of these in the near future for you guys. And uh, talk to you soon. All right.